Entrepreneur MBA podcast purpose is to help existing business owners grow their companies past the $10 million in revenue per year benchmark. Here is your host, Stephen Holastic. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Holastic, and I'm co-founder of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions provides easy-to-set-up business lines of credit for small businesses, and I will be your host for today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. If you're interested in learning more about a business line of credit, which I would highly recommend, I've always had one, uh, uh, please visit fscreditline.com, FS as in Financing Solutions, creditline.com. We are a direct lender. Uh, Over the last 25 years, I have built six companies in the $5 million to $25 million range, including two companies on the Inc. 500 fastest growing company list in the United States. I love learning from people with business experience. And today I'm very excited to be speaking with Colin Shaw from Beyond Philosophy. Um, LinkedIn has recognized Colin Shaw as one of the world's top 150 business influencers where he has 291,000 followers. Shaw's customer experience consulting company, Beyond Philosophy LLC, has been recognized by the Financial Times as one of the leading management consultancies for the last four years. Shaw is the co- also the co- co-host of the Intuitive Customer Podcast, rated in the top 5% of all podcasts by Buzzsprout. Colin, welcome to today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Thanks for having me, Steve. I'm looking forward to this. Thank you. Me too. Me too. Um, So today's topic is how the hidden customer experience drives growth. And, um, you know, it's never a bad idea to focus on your customer, isn't it? I think I'm biased, but I think it's the most sensible idea. Uh, because without your customer, then you know you got no one to buy anything. So uh, I would have thought it's um, you know incumbent upon all businesses, no matter what size. Uh, but interestingly, it seems that the the larger the business gets, the uh, more problems that they have in focusing on the customer. Uh, yeah, and the pro- yeah, no, absolutely. The problem too is as a business owner, especially a small business owner, and believe me. This doesn't make a difference if you're if you're working for a huge company if you're if you're the CEO of a huge company versus a, a small company you you get just so distracted with the problems that are going on in your business that you yeah. don't focus on the customer isn't that correct Yeah it's I, I yes so I totally agree with that I, I think the other issue is that you just get further away so, you know, when you think about um, when you, you know, you start your own business, you're, you're, you're talking to customers all the time. Um, you know, think about the largest organizations that there are. Uh, you know, they don't talk, senior people tend not to talk to, to nope. customers. Yep. Uh, and, and therefore, you know, it just becomes very internally focused. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's the problem. And then you get into that whole bit about this sort of hidden experience which is, do they really understand why people are buying from them? Uh, And typically, a lot of organizations don't really understand some of those real reasons that that people are buying from them uh, and think it's just down to price. 
Yeah, you know, uh, my my first eight years of my career, I worked for Xerox, and you know, I've mentioned this before on my other podcast. Uh, Xerox, uh, depending on how much snow you have on the roof, on your roof, uh, you know, uh, I'm talking about gray hair. Um, yeah, Xerox was the Google of its time. Yeah, and uh, so the CEO, I the 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 CEO for a large majority of my career there was a guy by the name of David Kearns. No one would know, but I I really liked David Kearns a lot, but. He would, whenever he would make it a point. Now, again, Xerox at the time was a ten billion dollar company. Uh, you know, back, yeah. again, this is thirty years ago, so that's that was quite a bit of money. Um, they, he would, whenever he would force himself to once a week travel with one of the sales reps to a client, you yeah. know, so he could stay in touch Absolutely. with his. And I, that's, you know, that's a really, and this is a guy who's, you know, that's a lot once a week. For someone to go out, yeah, and no, and and that is a really good practice. Um, most organisations don't; their senior people don't spend time with clients. Uh, some organisations, like um, Xerox, as you're saying there, and ironically, I used to work for Xerox as well back in oh, the day. Mm, cool. Uh, um, but they put, put things in place. Some organisations will Disney, for example, would. Um, ask their people for for two weeks every year to go and spend time in the Disney theme park. Um, Pret-a-Manger will buddy their people up in head office with um, uh, with people where, um, uh, in the stores. And they do those things sensibly to keep that connection between the customer uh, and, you know, the decision-making effectively, the, the, the senior teams. Uh, it's when you get, dare I say, and this has always been a bugbear of mine, cable companies um, who, you know, try to keep away as much as they possibly can from customers. Uh, and then they don't they don't understand, them, basically. Uh, and you've got to work. The, the larger you get, the more work you have to do on being with a with a customer, basically. Simple as that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think a lot of our listeners would say, well, you know, Steve, I really don't have that problem. I kind of know exactly what's going on with my customers because when you're smaller, you, you you tend to be in very, very involved. But let's take it another step further. And I'm going to test your brain for a second. And, and maybe I can sure. help you also help you brainstorm on this. Tell me what you think you should know about your customers. So... Let, 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 me, let me tell you a, a little story. Um, I've been married for 40 years. Okay? Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, when I walk home at night and I walk in the front door and I shout hello to Lorraine, my wife, within a one-word response, I can tell you how she's feeling. <laughs> Even if she, So if she says, I'm feeling fine, I think, nah, you're not feeling fine, are you? Okay, um, and I know what I should do if I was to, if I wanted to, which I don't want to make matters worse. I know what I should do, and I also know what I should do if I want to make her feel better. Okay, now why do I tell you this? I tell you this because most organisations look at their customers as if they are rational transactional things, particularly I have to say in the finance market. Um, they they tend to be very transactional in their approach and tend to process customers, okay? So when you ask the question about what is it we should know about customers, well, we should know 
what they are asking for, but we should also recognize, and this is in the title of this uh, podcast, this hidden bit, okay, which is we should know what they really want, not what they say they want. So I've written seven books on the subject of customer experience, okay, and one of them is about um, customer centricity. So I always find it a bit odd when I say this. Uh, and that is sometimes you shouldn't listen to what your customers tell you, okay? Um, you should sort of read between the lines, as I do with Lorraine, my wife, uh, and understand what she really means, not what she's telling me. So, and let me give you a, an example from that from a business setting. You know, Disney know when they ask their customers what they want to eat at a theme park, Disney know that people say they'd like to have an option of a salad. Disney also know that people don't eat salads at theme parks. They eat hot dogs and hamburgers. So if you based your decisions just on what customers told you that they were going to buy, then you would end up in the park with loads of salads. Uh, sorry, uh, run out of um, hot dogs and have loads of salads left. Okay. Uh, and therefore, what we've what we found is there there's this sort of hidden experience. And, and what, what I mean by that is understanding that customers, and again, this particularly, I think, in the finance world that you're in, and I'm sure you, you can comment on this, you know, it's the classic stuff of people buy from people. Uh, and, and it, you know, people, um, you, when you start to look at customers, they're not just making a decision based upon the price and they're making a decision that is also based upon, do they trust the individual that they're dealing with? Do they feel the individual that they're dealing with cares for them as a person? Now, they may not articulate those things, but those are the things that truly drive human behavior. So yes, it's about the product or service, but it's also equally as important to look at how a customer feels and look at some of that psychological part of things which is why do people do what they do, you know, from a, from a psychological perspective. And we like to think we are logical animals and we make logical decisions. Uh, and I'm sure that some of your listeners are sitting there going, yes, my customers make logical decisions, but they don't. You know, human beings are complex animals who have evolved over millennia uh, and we make decisions that are influenced by many different things that we don't realize ourselves how we make those choices. So understanding all those things, I think, is the important thing. So sorry, it's a long answer to your question. No, it's, it's a good answer. I think it leads us into the next kind of area that, you know, and that is let's go back. And I think you're, listen, I am a big fan of data, right? And, yeah. but I think at some point you have to use your intuition too. And, and so let's go back to the, the McDonald's example, the salad and the hot dogs and the hamburgers. You know, I get really turned off when a, a theme park, and I may not go to a theme park if they don't yeah. have options for me that are healthy. And so yeah. what I would say, like, don't just show me a salad, show me a salad that's enticing. And, yes. you know, that don't, don't just throw a bed of lettuce there and say, that's a salad, you know, make it and make it so that I like, oh, I, that's what I want to order. Right. 
And, and also yeah. for my kids too, give me some options for my kid because everybody who I know, any very few people I know are super health conscious, like, like maybe I am, but, and my wife, but, um, um, when we bring our kids, we want some options, you yes, know, yes, you know, yes, so I, I agree. Totally. You know, so, so they got it. Sorry. I think what you're talking now about is effectively a segmentation. Yes. Right? So you can't have one size fits all. No. Whichever way you want to do it. If there was, let's assume, and I don't know, I don't run theme parks. But maybe there should be a restaurant within the theme park that is very healthy. Yes. Maybe there are 10 other restaurants that aren't (laughs) for the majority of the, you know, people that aren't. Uh, But there's a one that is very health conscious. So you start to to segment, basically. Yeah. And I think so. So I like, so that's, that's a good way because that's where I was leading toward the idea of segmentation. And that is, and maybe that's not the white word, but it's, it's you. I think you have to really dive into the complete customer experience from the time when they're. Let's just use Disney for example. But the time when they're coming out, getting out of their car in the parking lot, walking. You know, I think you got you. You need to look at every little. My and listen. Let's face. It, I don't need to tell Disney what the hell to do. They're they're amazing, right? Um, but you you got to know every little little detail from every little perspective, and like. So I'll give you a different perspective. Let's bring it back to small businesses, which is what our listeners are are from. So I am financing solutions from an employee standpoint is a very, very small company, my company, right? We we want that. We didn't, we don't want a big company, right? And we, we are providing lines of credit and it's our own money. We're putting our own money out there. And so, you know, I have a business partner and me and, uh, and a couple of other key people, but, um, but I actually talk to our prospects and clients every day. Like, I don't mean every day. I mean, I am the person that you speak to when you're thinking about getting the line of credit. And, and what, let me tell you why, if what we would, the, the, and I can't give you a statistic cause I've never done it. But it is obvious to me that if we just send the offer out for the line of credit based on an algorithm, right? Yeah. The close ratio goes way down. Yeah. When I get on the phone and I talk to that prospect. Yeah. Right. Completely different close ratio. Huge. You know, 90%. Yeah. And Stephen, you're proving my point. Because there's the there's the transaction, which is the offer, which could be sent out electronically, but then there's that human bit, okay, which is the intangible. Do I trust this person? Yep. Do I think this person understands my business? Yeah. Do when and here's an important one: when something goes wrong, do I think they'll have my back and yep. be there to help? Another thing I would suggest from your business. This is their own money. This is not just, you know, I'm not just the manager of a store or whatever else. And therefore, um, you know, it's not my money. This is your money. Okay. So, and the other part, sorry, my brain's starting to come up with all these things. Uh, The other part is he's spending time with me. You know, he owns the company and he's spending time with me. The implications of that are he cares. 
enough to do that. He's not just someone that's going to sit in an ivory tower. So I think there's one part of it, which is the transaction. And we, you know, we, we know about that. The other part of it, which organizations don't consider enough, is that personal uh, emotional connection. So we, we do a piece of research where, and we over lockdown, uh, we analyze this data that we've been collecting literally since 2005 uh, on emotions and which emotions drive value. Okay. And what we discovered was that 48% of what drives value, in other words, uh, money, uh, share of wallet, um, loyalty, whatever else, is driven by emotional connection. Exactly what you're just saying. Okay. And lots of businesses don't think that. So the organizations that you're talking about that just send off the email, go and, you know, this is where we get our business. We go and talk to them. To be honest, mate, I wouldn't come and talk to you because you already know it. Yeah. But it's those other organizations that are losing touch. And, and again, it, this touches on the large organization versus the small. Because I would say to your listeners that the danger is, is that when you start to become large enough that you need to automate things, that's the, a danger point. Because you're exactly what you're saying here. You're, you're automating the transaction. And let me give you an example. Um, this was about 10 years ago. Um, in England, we used to get our milk delivered, okay, because it's never hot enough for the milk to go off. So we used to get the milk delivered. And I said to my wife one day, uh, I said, look, you know, why are we getting the milk delivered? We might as well just go and buy it down at the grocery store like everybody else. And she said, no, no, no. She said, uh, um, Kevin comes around on a Friday night. He collects his money. We have a bit of a laugh and a joke, and I, I enjoy that. So uh, I, I don't want to change the milk. Kevin, milk sales decline, Kevin changes job, new guy comes on. He determines that the, a more efficient way of doing things is to leave the copy of how much we owe him underneath the milk bottle. And he asks us to write a check for the amount and then leave it in a safe place. Friday night, chat with Kevin is gone. Gone. Yeah. Within two months, guess what happened? Yeah. We stopped dealing with him because yeah. the value was actually in the interaction, not in the delivery of the milk. He thought we were buying milk. Yeah. We were actually buying 10 minutes of fun and banter at the, at the doorstep, basically. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think there's a lot of impact. And, and so, uh, like, I know why our clients want to talk to someone. So the first thing before I even get there is, number one is, so I have two things to say. The first thing is, it is a strategic advantage for us versus our competition that you are talking directly to the owners. It's a strategic yes. advantage. Okay. Now at my very first company, I thought, Oh, I don't want to be involved in the business that the key to at the time I thought, a successful business. And the word on the street for small business is you should be working on the business and not in it. Right. Yeah. That's, that's that concept. I, I believe in it. Right. However, there, what I've learned is your small business is never going to be a $50 million business. It's never going to be a hundred million dollar business. And you know, it's so sure. far and few between. 
Okay. Sure. Financing Solutions is a $25 million company. Okay. Now, again, in your industries, $25 million for finance is different than a $25 million for a service business, right? So it's a little bit yeah. different, right? Still not bad though. But, um, but, uh, you know, we see it as a huge, or I see it because I'm the one who's really in charge of marketing for our company. We see it as a huge advantage and we can really uh, take really, so, so when clients come to us, prospects come to us, number one is they want to know that you're not a fly by night outfit, right? Yeah. Which is crazy because I'm actually giving them money. So, I mean, you know, sure. whatever. Okay. So number one is, so the first part of my conversation is always about our credibility that we're A plus rated by a better business bureau or five star rated in Google reviews. That's my first yeah. comment because I know what they want to know. They want to know, do you, yeah. do they trust you? You know? Yes, correct. I actually don't tell them very often that I'm one of the owner, that I'm one of the owners. I mean, I probably right. should, but I, I do that on occasion if something comes up, but sure. um. So, you know, so to me, the reason why it's important that I get on the phone or somebody gets on the phone with yes. good, good qualified prospects is to build trust. Yeah. Right. And Sorry. so that, that, and it just seems that that's the only way you, that it's, you know, technology is so driving, driving our business. I'm saying everybody's business that you can use the human element as a, a huge strategic advantage in your business. Yes, absolutely. So, so if you think about it, um, and we did research with, um, we did research for my third book, DNA of Customer Experience, How Emotions Drive Value. Uh, we did a um, research with London Business School to look at the 20 emotions that drive value. And when I say value, I'm talking about revenue growth, uh, et cetera, et cetera. You know, things like increased loyalty, repeat business, those types of things. Um, and trust is one of those foundational uh, emotions, okay? The issue then becomes once you've got that trust is how do you layer on top of that? So, uh, you know, there are a lot of organizations that I wouldn't trust as far as I could throw them. Yeah. Um, uh, and there are other organizations that, you know, I do trust, but, you know, so, I mean, I trust Amazon. I don't ever speak to anybody. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Because their but service I, is I so, have... their service is so great. They yeah. just deliver. So, like I'll tell you, I'll tell you one company I don't, it's, I don't trust and it's in your neck of the woods, BP, British yeah. Petroleum. Sure. I, sure. I hate them. Yeah. You know, they, sure. they, you're talking about the biggest con artists in the world when they had the BP oil sure. spill. And then they're, they're telling sure. they were telling us they're the biggest, cleanest company in the world and yeah. their, and their logos sure. are green, you know, it's just sure. baloney, yeah. you know? Yeah, no, I, I, I understand. And, and, and therefore it, it, when you actually break it down and you go, well, let's examine the word trust. What does that mean? Well, it means that I do what I say I'm going to do. Yeah, I'm dealing with somebody that I I think is trustworthy, and not only do I think they're trustworthy, they are doing you know. So they said they'd phone me back by Tuesday, and they phoned me back by Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they they said that um, our web designer said to me the other day. He said, "Look, don't don't let me do any design work because I'm not very good at that." You know, and I thought, yeah, that's good. You know, telling me you're not very good at that. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that builds my trust up in instant credibility. But it, yeah. I, 
Yeah, so trust is the baseline. It's then what do you layer on top of that? And it's a bit like you've no doubt heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, yep. where you know trust is the baseline. And the next layer starts to get into things like feeling cared for. Okay, so do you, um, you know, do you get straight into business with your customers, or do you have a a chat with them when they when they talk about? It? Are you one of the key drivers that came out of the research that we did is um, caring for a customer as a person, and the as a person is important. So, yep. you know, do you know the names of some of your customers' kids? Do you know uh, if you know if their wife's not very well or something like that? You know, and that again, if you go back to what we talked about at the beginning, it is it is something that that small businesses are good at because they've got that personal relationship. Um, the challenge becomes when you start to scale things, and I'm sure some of your listeners uh, are thinking, yeah, that's okay, Stephen, but actually I want to grow it to 100 million pounds and I don't want to be. So the question then becomes, well, how can I bring in people and give them the, the so what type of person do I bring in? Well, actually, I would suggest it's got to be somebody with a high degree of emotional intelligence. Yes. So, you know, don't just necessarily look at them for your industry, but pick them from a, that someone's got a high degree of emotional intelligence. And how do I give them the space just to get on with people and understand people and understand the customer and, you know, let them talk to their customer about sport or whatever it is, or fishing or whatever it is that they, that they do, because that builds that personal uh, relationship with them. And then, then you can start to understand them at a, a much deeper level. Yeah, I want to circle back to something else you said too, and that is uh, um, emotions, like this, the, the, the research that you were doing. I think one of the things that uh, I'll just, I don't do it very often, but I pat, pat sure. let's just say I pat myself, pat, pat, let me pat myself on the back about this. I think it's one thing that, that, that I do really, really well. And that is, in a good way, elicit, elicit that's all right the right word elicit elicit emotions elicit, yeah. in a positive way so so i'll give you an example so i personally and passionately believe that every business should have a line of credit and the reason being is that over my 25 years um i've either had a line of credit or i had a problem with a line of credit and and to be more specific i I know what it's like to get a line of credit with a bank and it's complete torture. It's torture. Sure. Okay. And you, and also you think you can get a line of credit with a bank and you, you really can't. They make it so hard. Okay. So, and yeah. the other thing is I've gotten caught with my pants down when I had a line of credit and um, it's kind of in a different note where I got caught by surprise. I didn't have enough. I was about to miss payroll. And, and I went to the bank and I said, I had a great business. And I said, I need that increase in my line. Um, we're going to be short on payroll. And they said, okay, we'll let you know in 30 days. I'm like, no, my payroll is due on Friday, right? Now, so sure. our clients go through this every day, okay? Yeah. Now, that theme of passion, line of credit, a great backup plan, not only does it come across in my speaking pattern with our clients, and I'm not 
selling sure. people. Okay. I don't do that, sure. but I, I, I make them aware of the value of having a backup plan, but it also comes across in everything that we communicate from our website to our marketing material, to our advertisements. It comes, it's the theme there is soliciting an emotion. And I, I, I I'll tell everybody out there, I often correlate it to life insurance. Sure. And when life insurance people sell life insurance, they make you aware of the repercussions. And I'm going to tell you, yes. my listeners know this. My wife passed away last year unexpectedly. After I'm I was married for 26 years. Thank you. She had life insurance. I had life insurance. And I'm going to be honest with you. It, I have money, but it, it made a difference. My kids, sure. my kids and I went on a $30,000 vacation to Kenya. Sure. And I didn't sure. even think seconds about it because it was a, no. it was a life insurance sure. policy. Right. Sure. sure. So yeah. thank God I got it in place because it did make things a little easier. I could really spend money sure. on the kids. I spent a hundred thousand sure. dollars on the kids between the time sure. she died and now. Right. Well, that's great. So that's great. anyway, so I want to bring out the but idea I, that I think, you're sorry. sorry go on. No, I, saw, I, I, I think what you're talking about is I would put it down to one word, which is empathy. Yes. Okay. That you're empathetic, which doesn't mean to say that you have to give the, whoever you're being empathetic to whatever they want. No. Okay. No. You're, you're em- be out empathy. Of business. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So empathy effectively is that you are, um, you understand the situation the customer has been in. The other word that you used earlier, uh, which is intuitive. So uh, as I mentioned to you earlier, we do this podcast called The Intuitive Customer. And one of the reasons it's called intuitive is that the way that human beings make decisions, okay, is two ways, intuitively and rationally, okay? So the intuitive system it basically means that um, you're making an instant gut reaction. Now, why am I telling you this in the context of our conversation? What people are doing when they're talking to you, Stephen, is they're making an intuitive decision about, do I trust this guy? Is he telling me that they he's very environmentally friendly and we've got a green logo? but I can see that they're not very environmentally friendly as a, 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 a BP, but they've got a green logo and therefore there's some inconsistency there to say the least. Okay. But do I, do I get a sense that this person passionately believes in what they're talking about and has got the experience? Does he understand where I'm coming from? And it's all of those human traits and those signals that we give are picked up in an instant. We we know that you know where how people make decisions is that it's not just on what people are saying, the words that they were using, but we know that somehow eighty percent of all decision making is based upon is based on body language. Okay, so again, go back to I walk in at night and I say hello to my wife. It's not just the word that she uses; it's the way she's acting, yeah. the speed and cadence, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera which makes me as a human being interpret what she is saying. And therefore I can make a decision about how do I act now? So one of the key words I think in that, you know, empathy piece is 
uh, and we we did a podcast on this a little while ago. Just the word listening, you know, the the skill of listening. I, I always remember I was taught that you have two ears and one mouth, and you should use them in that ratio. So understanding and listening to your customer about what they, you know, what's important for them, and understanding because that starts to show that you care because you're investing time in listening to them and then being being empathetic. And I would suggest a lot of that is what you were you were talking about. That yeah, I think it's true. Comes out in you. Yeah, I think I think it's true, and I think uh, I, I do. I'm a very empathetic person, so um, I think the other key is um, let's use the word intuitive. That, that, that let's go back to that word that you said, intuitive. To me, someone is accurately intuitive when you have experience and yeah. in the area. So when you are out there on a consistent basis, listening to customers, finding out the prospect experience in your, 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 uh, your flow, your sales flow. When you are constantly close and you have your finger on the business, your intuition allows you to make much more accurate predictions. Yes. Right. Yes. Versus absolutely. Making, right. Versus, and I think that's the problem business leaders have. You are making big time strategic decisions based on your intuition, and and hopefully not just based on data, because I think that's the big problem nowadays. And I, I believe me, I love data, but I think that the, the, there needs to be that combination of of experience dealing with customers, prospects, and all those other things combining that with data to make strategic decisions for your company and small businesses. Let's face it, Colin, right. They do it better. Right. Because they're closer. Right. Um, Yes. And And I think the issue for me is that. So data is great. The issue becomes, how do you interpret it? Yes. Okay. Um, and therefore, uh, you know, we would advocate that you need to look at it through the eyes of this more understanding customer behavior. And we would talk about this, be, um, not just us, but behavioral science. So understanding customer behavior at a much deeper level. Okay. The other thing that I've, I've just read a really interesting book called um, The Myth of Experience. Okay. And here's, here's the interesting, here's the nub of the book. There, they talk about the authors talk about a kind learning environment and a wicked learning environment. A kind and, and the danger is is that we make decisions thinking that we have got all of the information when we haven't. Okay, so we think that we know exactly what the customer wants, but we don't because we're missing out on the fact that this has just happened, they've just missed their payroll, or they're going to miss their payroll, and that's a key piece of information that they, that the, the person didn't know about, whatever else. So you, 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 I guess the point I'm trying to get to is you've got to start to ask your question, why is the customer really doing this? What is the real driver? What they say may not be the real driver and you, like with Lorraine, you've got to look underneath the skin of that and you've got to go, what's the real driver? Is there something happening with this customer here 
that I don't know about. And it could be something personal uh, that, that, that they're having that is driving their decisions. And if you can tap into that to try to find the true motivations, uh, then that becomes uh, the, the key thing. So I'm going to ask you this last question because we're, we're we're kind of running up against the time limit, but um, you know time. But um, so all our listeners that are there, all these business people, uh, owners, um, give us one thing that you think the, one of the most important things that you think that someone should do to you know really learn more about their customer experience. Um, I, I would go back to what you mentioned earlier, which is ideally watch the customer in their own environment and question why are they doing it, okay? And don't go into that with a preconceived idea that you know the answer, okay? what Look at what they do, not what they say they're going to do, Okay. And that's where the data can come in useful. It's a customer may say, yeah, I was just about to order that and then I did this. But, you know, you know, obviously data on the website, you can now start to see which uh, pages people exit from and everything else. But it's understanding that, that understanding things at that basic level of behavior. So look at what your customers are doing rather than what they say they are doing and ask yourself, why are they why are they doing that? Yeah, and I'll, I'm going to add my two cents to what you're saying too, Colin. And, and that is, you know, like I am a very structured person. So like I actually, um, you know, every two weeks I take an hour and a half out of my uh, week. It's on a Friday after lunch. I have it on my calendar. It, uh, the reminder goes off and I go to a coffee shop and I work on my strategic plan. Okay. What I would suggest to our listeners is do that same thing for half a day, once every two weeks with your customers, like Mm -hmm. go over and say, okay, what customers do we land this week? Right. Maybe you call them up and talk to them, or maybe you talk to someone that's been a customer for a year, or maybe you go talk to your salesperson and say, what, tell me about this customer. Why did they become a customer? Just be curious. Whatever sure. question that comes to your mind, you are you all our listeners, you're all bright. Okay. Um sure. go be curious, but put it on your yeah. calendar, right? Put it on yes. your calendar for three hours, for half a day. Yes. This is the time I spend with with learning, understand my customers. I think if you were to do that, I mean, I'd be a big proponent of proponent of two things. Your strategic plan going over it every once in a while, of course, having a strategic plan. And number two is understanding your customers, right? Yes. Right. I mean, geez, if you're doing those two things on a consistent basis, your business is going to do pretty well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and going back to the, the, the name of the show, the, the looking at those hidden things. So looking at that from that, behavioral aspects and not just thinking that you know the that you're not just thinking you know the answer um uh, and that becomes the key well it was a great podcast i really really enjoyed it i learned a lot it reminds me too what i need to do a good job with and uh 
So uh, I'd like to thank so very much Colin Shaw from Beyond Philosophy for coming on today's podcast. If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Also, if you uh, really like today's podcast or past ones and you're willing, you know, you, you would give us a five-star review. If you could please just go onto um, your app and give us a five-star review, that really helps us get, um, you know, our show's already in the top 5% of, of podcasts for entrepreneurship, and we'd like to get it up to 1%, and they use that for algorithms. Of course, if you are looking for a line of credit for your business, you can feel free to give us a call at 862 207 4118 or visit our website at fscreditline.com, fscreditline.com. Colin, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, um, how would they go about doing that? Uh, go to our website, which is uh, beyondphilosophy.com, um, or our podcast is uh, the Intuitive Customer Podcast that's available every uh, normal places. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just to wrap it up for today, I think I did the wrap up already. And that is, boy, you can't go wrong by spending time with your prospect or customer experiences. And uh, if you do that, I mean, just it just makes a big difference, not only in servicing your clients, uh, closing more deals, but also pivoting sometimes when your business isn't doing so well. <clears throat> sometimes you can see another business opportunity. And I've done that. I've done that. I came up with a company called Credential Agent because I was inside listening to a client and I asked this question this about this one problem that they were having. Hey, who's doing that, solving that problem now? It was only because I was in there listening. So that maybe that's the big part of today's theme, right? Listening, right? Which is something yes. that Colin told us as well. Yeah. So, yep. All right. Very good, Colin. It was really good to see right. you. And Thanks everybody, yeah, everybody uh, in, in this part of the country, summer is still here. And get out there. Enjoy yourself. You guys work so many hours. Don't forget to take care, good, good care of yourself as well at the same time. We're doing more of, the, of this than just to make money. Everybody have a good day. <laughs>